Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks Thanks be to to God, who gives us victory, the victory, the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome back to the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway. As always, joined by my two main men, Max Keen and Jonathan Krause. What's going on this week, boys? Well, sermon prep. <laughs> I've yeah. been preaching on Sunday. By the time this recording is out, I will have already been done it. But yeah, that's got that school events. Fall break is next weekend, so that's nice. Great to have a break because yeah, I'll need it. <laughs> but yeah, things are going pretty swell. Sorry, did you just say fall break? I did. Yep. What is that? That is where your school takes two days off. I have nothing to say to that. Man, Jonathan gets fall break every weekend. His school takes Saturdays and Sundays off every week. No way. That's awesome. (laughs) My school just always thinks of their students. That's for sure. Yeah, man, this week, this week was long, I'm not going to lie. I uh, had multiple exams, multiple papers due. Uh, I had a project in one class. It was a lot. So, um, yeah, energy's a little low right now. We're still excited to get into the podcast. Sorry if you hear stuff in the background. We are recording this at an abnormal time for us, usually. Um, and so my house is pretty busy. Usually we record in the mornings. Um, and all of my roommates are not morning people, so it's kind of <laughs> yeah. great the way that it works out. Um, but yeah, now the now the house is up and about and busy. So if you hear anything in the background, I apologize. I'll try to mitigate it as most of the, you know as best as I can. So how are you, Baldy? <laughs> yeah, this week's been pretty good for me too. It's uh, uh, speaking of fall break, my fall break was actually last week, so my seminary just picked back up. Um, back in the swing of things, writing papers, reading books. And one of the things I enjoy about seminary is that it's it's very few assignments and just a lot, a lot of reading. So they have you read 100 to 200 pages every week. And then after four weeks, you just write about the four to 500 pages that you read over the last four weeks. So it's a blessing and a curse because it's a blessing that you don't have quizzes and, and that kind of thing every single week. But it's also a curse in that if you go four weeks and you don't really understand the subject material, then you have to write a paper on the subject material. And because there were fewer assignments throughout the entire semester, each paper has a heavier weight. And then I don't even know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but the uh, grading scale for the seminary is ridiculous. I think it's a, like a 95 is an A minus and a, a 90 is like a B minus. And if you get below an 80, that's an F. So it's just much stricter than anything I've ever been used to in my entire life. But, um, you know. God's given me the strength to make it through, and I'm learning a lot of great stuff as I go through. Every every class, we have these different conversations about the attributes of God or about some kind of uh, theological um, principle or something that we can draw out of Scripture that really helps us. And it just, it, I'm amazed at God more and more every day when I'm listening to these conversations on who He is and what He's revealed to us through Scripture. So it's it's a really exciting time in my life. Lots of learning, lots of learning, um, but but it's an exciting kind of learning. Uh, and so we're going to continue that learning. We're going to continue to see what God has revealed to us in scripture in today's episode. As you guys know, we are going through our Philippians series right now. Uh, we just finished the first chapter of Philippians last week. 
So that means today we'll be going into Philippians chapter two, which Philippians chapter two is one of my favorite chapters in scripture, just because it has so many good messages. Today, we're going to get into some verses that just hit hard and really give you practical application on how you can live the life that Christ has called you to live. And then next week's episode is one of the more famous passages in the entire book of Philippians. Uh, so I'm really excited for that that passage in chapter two. Uh, chapter two, I actually, I had Philippians chapter two memorized at one point in my life, but I'm sad to say that I have not kept up on that. I, uh, <laughs> If you don't practice something that you have memorized over and over and over again, it, it slowly starts to fade out of your mind. So no longer do I have that in my mind, but you know, it was important enough to me at one point to commit the entire thing to memory just because of how rich it was and because of how much good biblical truth is revealed in the in the chapter. So I'm excited to get into it today. All right. So jumping right into it, um, into verse one of chapter two, um, I'm just going to read it for you guys to start off. So it says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy, I'm going to read verse 2 too, because this is like really cuts off if you don't read verse 2. Um, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. I'm actually going to stop there for a second. So um, this is kind of one of those verses when you read it the first time, uh, you get a little lost in the sauce. But when you break it down, it's it's pretty straightforward. And it's honestly um, very practical. These verses you'll see, like Christian said, these are very practical verses. They're, they're straightforward and they're things that we can apply instantly to our lives. So starting off with, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, we talk about encouragement all the time on, on this po- podcast. Um, we are huge advocates of, of encouragement, just like the Bible is huge advocate of encouragement and building one each other up. You know, we have so many brothers and sisters in Christ out there. And how often do we get focused on ourselves and we get focused on our own relationship with God? Um, and we start losing focus on, you know, building each other up and really pouring into uh, fellow Christians, encouraging them in Christ, helping them grow, which also helps us grow in turn. So this is a huge thing. Um, any comfort from love? He's just basically listing out some amazing things of the spirit here. Any participation in the spirit, like he mentions. Um, what is participation in the spirit? Well, well I'm glad you asked. So, uh great reference for this is the fruits of the spirit, which is in Galatians five. Uh, so starting in Galatians five, verse 16, I just want to read this for you. Cause this gets a really, um, I know everybody like knows the fruits of the spirit, right? Like you can probably listen out from memory right now. Um, but I think still think it's really good to like remind ourselves of like, what does scripture really mean when it says walk by the spirit or participate in the spirit or think of things on the spirit. So in verse 16, Galatians 5, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So for right there we can see, if you're walking by the Spirit, you will not be gratifying the desires of the flesh. The two do not go hand in hand. You're either walking by the Spirit and not gratifying the flesh, or you are walking by the flesh and you're not gratifying the Spirit. Uh, verse 17, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They're contradictory, like I said. For these are opposed to each other, awesome, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So what does he mean there, keeping you from doing the things that you want to do? Well, what is our nature as human beings, right? We're fallen human beings. We're sinful human beings. Our nature is to tend towards things that will gratify ourselves, that will bring glory to ourselves, or will um, help us obtain the things that we think will be best for us in whatever regard that is for you. That might look different for each person. 
Um, Paul talks about this in Romans, I think it's, is it Romans 7 that he talks about how I do not do what I want to do, but I do what I do not want to do. Um, and you can see a really inward struggle in Paul there. And that's obviously super applicable for all of us Christians, because we know that there are so many situations where it's not what we really want to do, but we end up doing it anyway, because we're, we suck. Well, that's the baseline. Um, but so this is, this is really important here because we want to make sure that we are not looking to our own interests and we're going to get to this in the next verse. Um, but that we're really thinking of things of the spirit, right? Cause if we're focusing our mind on what God wants for us and what God wants us to do, then we're not going to be focusing on what we want to do and what our nature wants for us to do. Um, and then in verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, and he goes on and keeps listing them. Um, and I'm going to jump down to verse 22 where he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against these things there is no such law. And so this is, I'm going to read that again because this is really important. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, first of all love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no rule law so these are the things of the spirit right and these are pretty encompassing things i mean like when you think about what's underneath each one of these things that he's listed here like pretty much everything good in the world falls underneath this list um and it's it's pretty encompassing and obviously there's every single one of these we struggle with uh and, and you know some people are better at some of them than they are at others um, but really, at the end of the day, we're not going to be perfect in any of these. But if we're thinking about these things, practicing these things, then we are putting ourselves in participation in the Spirit, which back in Philippians 2 is what Paul is calling us to do here. Any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. So basically, this is all outward stuff, right? This is all pointed towards other people. You're encouraging them in Christ. You're comforting them in love. You're participating in the Spirit with them. Any affection and sympathy towards them Complete my joy, Paul's joy, by be, being of the same mind. So be of the same mind of those things. What mind? Being a mind of the Spirit. And that's a pretty amazing, I mean, we can see Scripture just make references to itself all day long. But this is a really huge thing. We're going to see lots of uh, um, references over the New Testament, especially in terms of Paul, where he keeps bringing this point back to, all right, you need to be setting your thing, your mind on things of the Spirit. Because if you're not doing that, your mind, your your sinful mind, your, your nature of itself is evil. Like there's nothing in it that's good. Everything that's good in us comes from God, comes from the spirit. And so we need to dwell on that and we need to replace the evil in us with things of the spirit. Because by ourselves, we're worthless. We can't do anything. We can't bring God glory. We need the spirit in us and we need to be joining in with the spirit in the spirit's work. And that's a pretty amazing thing. And Philippians, this like, just this first verse, there's so much meat in here about how to do that. Yeah, I appreciate what you said. And um, it's, yeah. When you went to Romans 7, I'm like, oh yeah, I love that passage. And <laughs> my in my Romans class yesterday, we actually just went through Romans 7. So yeah, that was really cool. There's actually... Yeah, I'm not going to get into it, but there, there are some debates within Romans 7, but apparently it's a very controversial passage. Anyway, so moving forward, um, Philippians chapter 2. So we we just talked about how, okay, we need to be of the same mind, having the same love, being full, being in full accord and of one mind. So Paul's saying, like, 
as Christians, like we're to be unified together, like as one. Um, and I believe he talks about that. And um, actually, it might be Ephesians four, Ephesians four, or Philippians four, one of the two. He talks about um, how we're one body and um, not to divide. So moving forward, he says in verse three, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. And it's interesting. So I was just telling Christian and Jonathan before this started how I had to do a book review. Um, and the book that we had to go through was Hard Times by Charles Dickens. And so I'm going to quick spoil some things. So for those of you who want to read it and don't want to get spoiled. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> but basically near the end of the book. So somebody's robbed the bank. They're trying to figure out who it is. And they find out it's Tom, one of the guys who I believe works at the circus by the end of it. Um, and so his boss, he's like, okay, I found out that it's Tom. So I'm going to go turn him in and get this big reward for it. And so Tom's dad, he's talking to him and he's like, well, what, why are you doing this? Like, spare my son don't do this like he's trying to appeal to him um to show kindness and not turn his son in um and so they're going back and forth and back and forth and one of the parts that stands out to me is how um let me just read a quote from it real quick so yeah that's the background of it and the guy who who's his boss his name is bitzer which is a weird name. So he's talking and he's going through and the way that he handles this situation and talks about how he's going through it in his head is very contrary to what Paul is saying here. He writes this. He says, I'm going to take young Mr. Tom back to Coketown. That's where the bank is in order to deliver him over to Mr. Bounderby, which is the guy who ran the bank. He said, sir, I have no doubt, whatever, that Mr. Bounderby will then promote me to young Mr. Tom's situation. And I wish to have his situation, sir, for it will be a rise to me and will do me good. And basically, he's saying um, that he he wants it for himself. He wants this um, he wants this title for himself. And he goes on to say that the social system of the town is based on self-interest. And so he's saying that his self-interest is how it's going to, um, he's saying that his self-interest is what's most important and that him rising up the social ladder is going to help his case. And so Paul, he's saying something completely opposite here. He's saying, do not do things for your own self. Don't do anything, um, for your own sake, for your glory, but count others more significant than yourselves. And I think that's very tough to do in these days, especially in a time where we oftentimes are getting so divided over different things, you know, let's get the vaccine, let's not get the vaccine, or let's wear masks, or let's not wear masks, or how do we handle this situation um, politically, how do we not, you know, and there's so many divides. And when you're divided against someone, it can be very easy to count yourself higher than them. Be like, well, I think this. So that means that I'm greater than all the ones who think otherwise of me. 
And Paul, he's saying here, like, if you're in Christ, that's most important. We're supposed to be a bond of brothers, of people who follow after Christ. And if you're dividing over things and being selfish, focusing more on yourself than others, then we're going to have a problem. And so he's saying, do not let these things become a divide between you, but count others more significant than yourselves. And I'm I'm really glad that I get to talk about the end of this passage here, verse four, because this this idea, so I'll read it first, but the idea that is that is present in this passage is something that's hit me in a different way this week than it ever has before. And I'll read it for you guys, then I'll explain on that a little bit. So verse four says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, this idea of, of not only looking to your own interests, but looking out for those around you, this is very closely tied with humility. And, and like Max read in verse three, it talks directly, the context of this verse is directly talking about humility. He says, going back to verse three, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Continuing, he says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, I read this book this week called The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. It's a small book, 40, I think it was 44 pages. It's literally small pages with big text. Like it took me all of 30 minutes to read this entire book. But the book was so rich. It was it was written by Tim Keller. And it was so rich because of the way that he talked about humility. Now, a lot of you guys have probably heard the C.S. Lewis quote, that humility is not thinking less of yourselves, but it's thinking of your... Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Now, I had heard that quote before too, and and the first time I heard that quote, it really stuck with me because I had always grown up thinking that in order to be humble, you had to beat yourself up and you had to downplay the strengths that God had given you, which isn't the case at all. But this week, my understanding of that, that quote and my understanding of the biblical idea of humility in general kind of continued to build upon itself. Because there's another C.S. Lewis quote, which I believe comes from the same book, Mere Christianity, where he says that pride is never satisfied by having something. It's only ever satisfied by having more of something than everybody else. And when you think about that, it's really true because pride is never satisfied by being smart or by being good looking or by being strong or by being creative or artistic. Pride is only ever satisfied by being smarter or stronger or better looking or more creative, or more artistic. And that that struck a chord with me because that's something that I have noticed in my own life is that the times when I struggle with pride the most are the times when I'm focusing on what I have compared to what everybody else has. So now, how does this relate to Philippians 2, 4, you may be wondering? Like, sure, it's humility and all that, but it doesn't sound like it directly relates. And, and this is the part that really stuck out to me in the book. So in this context, when he was talking about humility, he was talking about how we ought to stop thinking. First of all, we ought to stop thinking of what other people see in us. Because as soon as we start to wrap up our identity in how other people see us, that's a, that's a poisonous trap. It's a trap that leads to pride and it's a trap that leads to comparison. And then he goes further to say that we also ought to stop thinking of what we think of ourselves. Because a lot of people beat themselves up. A lot of people do the, you know, in general, when I was talking about that pride quote about how pride is only ever satisfied by having more of something else, that's a judgment that you're making on yourself. You're looking at yourself and saying, I have more of this thing than that person. Therefore, I am, I am good. You know, I am, I'm smart because I'm smarter than everybody else in this room. 
That's a judgment that you're making on yourself. So in John chapter five, verse 30, Jesus puts this exact attitude on display. He says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus is saying, I'm not concerned with what I want. I'm only concerned with what God wants. So Jesus not only cast aside what other people thought of him, but he cast aside what he thought of himself. He was only concerned with the way that God saw him. He was only concerned with how all of his achievements and everything he had done measured up in God's eyes. Because at the end of the day, when we're standing before God, we're going to have to give an account for everything we did in our lives. And I was listening to a, a podcast today and they were they played a clip from a John Piper sermon. And John Piper was, he was comparing two different articles. And he said the first article was about two martyrs who had died while they were serving on mission in a foreign country. The second article was about a couple who had retired early and I believe it was in their thirties. And they lived the rest of their life on a yacht going from island to island collecting seashells. And John Piper, he said, one of these two stories is a tragedy, but it's not the one you think. Most people would look at those two stories and say that the tragedy is the one where the two martyrs died for their faith. But John Piper was up on stage arguing that it was the other story that was a tragedy because the people who had lost their life for their faith recognized what was truly important. They recognized that they should care only about what God thinks of them. They should care only about how they're viewed in God's eyes. Whereas the people in the other article who retired early at the age of 30 and then went off spending the rest of their life in yachts collecting seashells from all these different islands, John Piper said, you know, one day we're going to have to give an account before God for, for what we've done. The martyrs are going to be able to show God all that, that they allowed themselves to be used by him in these different countries and all the work that they accomplished um, through the Holy Spirit doing these missions work. And then the other couple is going to stand before God and say, here's my seashell collection. They're going to show God the seashell collection. They, spend, they, they wasted years and years of their life collecting this. So, so we're thinking about ourselves and we're thinking about how other people view us. We're thinking about how we view ourselves. But at the end of the day, as Paul is saying in Philippians chapter two here, we should be humbly looking to the interests of others as much as we look to the interests of ourselves. So instead of wrapping ourselves up in how other people think of us, how we think of us, instead of putting ourselves at the center of our attention, we should bring others into that. As, as verse three read, we should count others more significant than ourselves. And this is where I want to draw it back to the book, the freedom of self-forgetfulness, because there was this passage in the book that really stuck out to me. And, and he was asking the question, wouldn't you like to be like this? And as he was reading about this person, I was like, yes, that's the person I want to be, but I fail every day to be that person. So I want to read this and I want you to think, is this the kind of person that you are? And if not, how can you work to be like this? Because this is the kind of person that Paul's describing here in Philippians chapter two. So in the book, he says, wouldn't you like to be the skater who wins the silver and yet is thrilled about those three triple jumps that the gold medal winner did to love it the way that you love a sunrise, just to love the fact that it was done for it not to matter whether it was their success or your success, not to care if they did it or if you did it. You are as happy that they did it as if you had done it yourself because you're just so happy to see it. So Tim Keller in this book, he's pointing out that we so often get caught up in our own world. If, if we were figure skaters in the Olympics and we got second place, we'd be so bummed out thinking about all the missed opportunities that we had, all the things we could have done that we failed to do, 
when we we should have gotten first place or what we could have done to get first place. When when Paul's counting or when Paul's asking us to count others more significant than ourselves, he's asking us, as he says in Romans chapter 12, to rejoice when other people are rejoicing. When, when the person next to you has a success in your life, is your first reaction to be jealous or to be resentful at them because of how they've gotten the success that you've failed to get or they've done something that you failed to do? Or is your first reaction to be happy with them and to celebrate with them, even if it comes at uh, a loss for yourself? So this is the kind of attitude that I think that Paul is really pointing out in Philippians chapter two. He's saying that, we as Christians are to be humble. We are to count ourselves or we are to count others more significant than ourselves and look to the interests of others. So how can we apply this in our everyday life? In addition to the, the version of that person that I just read, what does it look like to not only count your own interests, but also to count the interests of others, even to the point when you're counting them more significant than you're counting yourself? So I want to pose that question to, to you two, Max and Jonathan. What do you guys think? What are some practical applications? How can we take this principle of counting others more significant than ourselves and then looking out for their interests. How can we take this and apply this in a practical everyday way? I think it comes down to looking at the reality of this life and, um, you know, the, the future, like eternity um, and the weight of eternity. And we're going to look at Christ's example next week of how he counted um, the interests of others more significant than his own. But because we're going to be talking about that next week, I'll just give a couple other um, thoughts relating to it. Um, so when, when I said earlier, looking at the weight of eternity and how insignificant our lives are um, is, is a great way to do that because we can often get so caught up um, in what's going on around us and not look to what Christ is doing in us um, and what he can be doing through us. Um, you know, we, we can pray often like, God, use me however you want. But then we don't have the mindset of how is Christ using me right now? Um, and that's something that I I want to work on more too is because I say like, God, help me to worship you more. Help me to um seek to better serve you more. And yet, as I leave from that prayer, that prayer stays where it was. It doesn't go anywhere further to where I'm seeking, okay, how am I worshiping God more? How am I serving God with the gifts that he's given me more? And so it's a change of mindset of what's more important. Because, like I said, like you can say things, but action is a lot harder to do. Um, and so living in a way that, um, that looks at the significance of this world and knowing that the significance isn't you, the significance is what Christ is doing and how we're just parts of what God is doing. He's using us, um, which is great, but we're looking to how we can be a light for others, how we can um, serve others well for the purpose of building up the kingdom of God. Yeah, so there is, um, I think the theology around this is actually like pretty complicated and 
I don't totally wrap my head around it because so much of scripture calls us to get the focus off of ourselves and onto God and onto other people, right? But at the same time, there are also references like this one in Philippians 2 and also the second greatest commandment where God says, or Jesus said in the second greatest commandment, he didn't just say, love your neighbor, right? He could have said that. And that would still make sense, right? Love your neighbor. But he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And that really puts a different kind of context on there, right? Because yes, we love ourselves. And part of that is like, that leads to us being prideful. That leads to us counting ourselves more significant than others. But I think what Jesus really meant there was not the selfish love that we usually equate to like being prideful, being arrogant, um, you know, being too self-confident or too much investment in yourself. And I think he's really talking about the love of yourself that comes from knowing that you are exactly the way that you were meant to be and the way that you were created by God. Does that mean you're perfect? No, because of our sinful natures, right? But every person has a personality, ethnicity, uh, looks, whatever it is, all of that is inspired by God. And it was placed there for a reason, right? And it can be used for God's glory. And I think that's where it really comes from in terms of loving yourself. And this look not only to your own interests, right? But also to the interests of others. It doesn't say, do not look to your own interests, but look to the other interests of others. It says, look not only to your own interests. Um, and so I think this comes from a point of, all right, why do we get prideful? Why do we compare ourselves to others? Why do we try to build ourselves up and tear other people down? And I think that really comes from a deep-seated insecurity in each one of us that we want to be recognized, right? We want people to love us. We want to essentially make ourselves whole, right? But from what we know from scripture, we know that we can never do anything to make ourselves whole, that we will always be incomplete without Christ, without Jesus, right? And so we need to make sure that we are foundationing, that's not a word, but basically you need to make sure that you know that your foundation is in Christ, that you are made whole in Christ and that you are exactly the way that God wants you to be. And that doesn't mean that you're going to be content with where you are. We always want to be growing in our personal lives and our spiritual lives and our social lives, whatever it is. Um, but I think when you come from a place of security in Christ and knowing that you um, are loved by God, that you're accepted, that you're a child of God, then that better equips you to go out and to love others because you are now coming from a place of security yourself. You can now impose security onto other people. Um, that might have sounded a little weird, but I hope that makes sense. Uh, so I think that's really kind of a, a big thing that I know that I've struggled with a lot is um, like, especially nowadays, like everybody wants to talk about like mental health and make sure you're taking care of yourself and loving yourself and, and doing the best thing for you first, because if you're not at your best, then you can't be at your best for other people. Um, and there's like, there's some merit to that, I think, uh, in, in different regards. Um, but at the same time here, my point that I'm trying to make is when you get to the position of being secure in who God has you to be, now you're at the position where you can start thinking of yourself less, right? Because you know that you don't have to make yourself whole because that's God's job. You don't have to fix what's wrong with you because that's God's job. And now you can start focusing on other people, pouring encouragement into them. It goes right back to the verse one in Philippians two, right? You're going to start setting your mind on things of the spirit. You're going to start 
applying sympathy and love towards others, and you're going to start applying um, encouragement in Christ and being of the same mind in the spirit, right? And so when you come from that place of like, yes, I'm exactly where God needs me to be, and I am who God wants me to be, and I'm living in his will. We, t- By the way, huge shout out to Mike Maslin. We did an interview with him like literally a year ago now. Um, but that seriously, that interview was so, so good. And we talked about the will of God, right? And we talked about if you are living according to the scriptures, that you are gratifying things of the spirit and not things of the flesh, and you are actively living out the Christian faith that the Bible talks about, then you are living in the will of God. I know we always talk about the will of God of like, oh my gosh, Lord, like I don't know the will for my life. Like I don't know where to go. I don't know the next thing to do. Doing the simple steps of living out your faith means that you're living in the will of God and the rest God is going to take care of. And that's just like a huge thing here is you need to get to that place with yourself where you are foundationally based in Christ and you're all of your, I keep, there's a word that I can't think of and I've been trying to think of it this whole time and I cannot put my mind on it. But basically you need to be rooted in Christ in your own personality. And once you're on that solid ground, you can move forward onto building onto other people. And that's a huge thing. So that's, I don't even know what your original question was. That's just the thoughts that came to my mind about it. Um, so that's, that's, I think that's a really important thing in today's lives is we have to come from a place of security if we want to get the focus off of ourselves. Yeah, I think, I think that both of you put that really well. And I think that to sum it up in just a, a simple sentence, the way that we can start to count others more significant than ourselves and, and put their interests first is by, like Max said, taking our eyes off of ourselves and off of the present and putting our eyes on God and on things that are eternal. Because as soon as you start thinking about eternity and, and filtering every thought that you have through the lens of eternity, then everything becomes more clear. And we just, we so often fall away from that. We so often, we try to do that, but then we end up thinking about the things of the world again. And we, we end up falling off of that. But when we truly understand that we are children of God, that we were hopeless and now we are full of hope and we have a hope to share with other people and everybody around us is created in the image of God and every single person was created by God, knit together in their mother's womb by the holy living God, then who are we to treat them any less than we treat ourselves? It's, it's such an amazing truth. The God we serve is so awesome, so great, so so amazing. And if we were to treat everybody as the the image bearers of God that they truly are, then we would be living the Philippians 2 life. But we so often take our eyes off of that. So our challenge to you this week would be to put your eyes on eternity, to think about God in every decision that you make. How is that going to change the way that you look at other people, change the actions that you make, and use the knowledge that God has given you to love others around you in the same way that you love yourself. So as we close today, our Bible memory verse for this week is going to be Philippians chapter two, verse three, which says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. This is the call that he's giving us in these first four verses. This is the call that he's giving to the Philippians is don't think about yourself. Don't be selfish. Don't be arrogant. Think of other people. It's that simple. But it's not simple when we try to put it into practice. We need God's strength to carry us through and to sustain us. So pray. 
God, God promises us in James chapter one, that if we need wisdom, we can ask for it and he'll give it to us. What an amazing promise. Let's take advantage of that promise. Let's ask God for wisdom this week. So as always, guys, we want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. We, I hope that you guys have gotten a little sample of the beauty and the richness of Philippians chapter two, as we've been talking today, as we've been discussing the things that are found in this chapter. I hope that you guys have gotten just a little taste of what it's like and how beautiful these verses truly are. And next week, it's going to hit you right across the face. It's going to be, it's going to come at you how awesome, how amazing this chapter is because Philippians 2 has so much rich biblical truth. And, and I just pray that you guys will take these first four verses and find ways to apply it. Don't just come here, listen to us talk about scripture, and then go on with your day. Whenever you read scripture or hear scripture, think about how can I change my life as a result of what I just heard? This is literally eternal living truth that I just listened to. How can I change my life as a result of what I just heard? How can you change your life as a result of what's written in Philippians 2, 1 through 4? Don't, don't say it's because of Christian or Jonathan or Max. We didn't do anything. All we did was bring this, bring God's word before you. How are you going to deal with it? How are you going to find God's word and find applications to your life? So I, I, I'll be praying for you guys. I thank you guys for listening. We really would not be able to do this podcast if it were not for you guys. We thank you guys for coming back every single week. If you'd like to support the show, there's a few ways you can do it. The first way is by sharing it with a friend. Find somebody in your life who needs to hear the message from Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Or, or we have 75 plus more episodes that you can go listen to. And, and if anybody in your life needs to hear one of those messages, one of those gospel messages, then share it with them. The second way is by leaving a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. These ratings and reviews help us climb up the leaderboards. And it's not because we want to be rich and famous and we want people to listen to us. It's because we want this gospel message to come before as many people as possible. That's why we started this podcast. We take hours out of our week every single week because we want the gospel message to come before as many people as can possibly be. And you can you can help us with that, that message. So if you share the show, if you leave ratings and reviews, that does a lot to help us uh, get this gospel message before more people so more people can hear the gospel, the, the truth, and the, the, the story of how God has saved his people. So... It's, it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any more beautiful than the gospel story. So this has been Philippians chapter two, verses one through four. And I know I keep hyping it up, but please, please, please come back next week for Philippians two, five through, I don't know if we're doing five through eight or five through 11, but whatever it is, it's going to be an amazing, amazing passage. And so, yeah, we want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, love each other and shine your lights.